Grammy goes to Folklore, Taylor Swift. So hello, I wanted to start on a positive this week. Um, I don't know if you're aware um, that Taylor Swift made history this week. She's the first woman to ever have won Album of the Year three times um, for Fearless, 1989 and then Folklore. I don't think many people were surprised that she won um, with the a quarantine inspired album that she wrote and recorded and then released secretly um, in July, August of last year, and then followed that up with another surprise album in December. Um, and Beyonce is also another um, artist who made history this week at the Grammys. She's now the most uh, awarded female of all time. Um, and I, I wanted to, to open up on, on positive news about women this week because, I mean, if you've been following the news, I mean, what what a couple of weeks women have been having in, the, in just if not in the news, but just in general lately. I mean, men, I mean, you know, we really have it easy. Actually, no, actually, I'll rephrase that white heterosexual men have it easy um but women in 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 general lately i mean just just the most horrendous things been happening um and the reaction to it really really interesting but also quite problematic in a number of ways as well and that's going to be the focus of what i'm talking about today but i want to start off on a positive taylor swift making history first woman to win album of the year three times at the grammys um lots of people as well if you are a uh a, a conspiracy theory or a um a, a taylor the theorist theorist we'll say that um if you follow a lot of the fan theories online there's um also a suggestion that another third album is going to be released sometime in march um in when Evermore was released in December, um, there was like a, a video clip that went with it. And in the background, there's a shot of a calendar with a date in March that was circled on it. And that was Evermore was released nine weeks after nine or ten weeks after folklore was and then this date in march is nine or ten weeks after evermore was released and lots of people think that that means it's going to be a third album that will drop at the end of march it wouldn't surprise me um uh, again if you're not kind of you know a fay with taylor swift there's lots of easter eggs that she puts in her music and her music videos um so things like songs quite frequently interlink across albums lyrics interlink across albums so stories transgress uh, you know and transpire across albums and videos as well um she uses lots of color imagery that link across albums and songs as well so you know you never know this time next week towards the end of march i might well i might not do an episode next week i might just play the the new swift album if one's released but anyway i want to start off on a positive um other things that are very interesting this week um the netflix documentary that was released about the admissions college scandal in america that was in the news a lot last year 
um, really, really interesting documentary. Uh, William Rick Singer and the programme he put together, um, taking money from parents to get their children into elite colleges, the Ivy Colleges in America, such as Stanford. And the amount of money parents were paying um, to have children um, given access to these colleges, you know, millions and millions of dollars that um, parents are encouraged to pay to universities to get them in, um, or actually not always just to get them in, to get their um, admission looked at is just ludicrous and it's well known that in these ivy colleges like stanford and, and um harvard this is this backdoor approach into getting into their programs and william Ricksinger he coined this side door approach where you could pay him he would put together a CV essentially for your child um, and would then give that to college you know, admission professors um, who would then take bribes, etc. And then children would get into the colleges. But the most you know, fascinating things that that documentary revealed were you know, the most ridiculous things like he would um, crop photographs to make it look like a child was playing uh, polo or was... Um, like rowing in it in like a, a, a like a high school rowing team when they'd never even done it before just so that it looked good when they were applying to the college and then obviously it went a little bit further with him bribing and paying one man in particular to take tests on the part of children the really sad thing was that a lot of some of the children didn't know that the parents were doing this um, and they had to listen to testimonies of the kind of conversations between the parents and Rick Singer and realise, you know, their parents were in one situation saying that they were thick and that's why they needed to have this extra help to get them into college. I mean, just like capitalism at its worst. But I'd thoroughly recommend you watching that documentary if, you know, if you're into that type of thing. I really enjoyed it. Um. So back to, you know, what I mentioned before, this, <coughs> this just, you know, shitstorm of a fortnight that's happened with all these horrendous things that have, that have come to the forefront with, with women and, and their treatment that's really raised this, I think, quite global conversation of, of the place of women. News seems to go in cycles with these topics and situations where, you know, we've had yeah, you know, months around the Black Lives Matters movement that happened earlier on last year, and that became a huge focus of talk, um, quite rightly. And then it goes, you know, into another cycle of another group who, you know, minority that are being um, uh, abused and, and and affected in some way into women, and then the um, Asian community in America, um, with the the horrendous shootings that happened last week. And it just seems to be this cyclical nature of the news and things that are happening to, to minorities. Um, so I'm sure you're aware and you know of the the shootings that took place um, in America last week in the massage parlour um, and the spa where um, I think it's eight women were shot and killed. And the response from that was, interesting is not the right word, but in terms of how people reacted to it and particularly the, the response of, of the man and the excuses that were kind of built up around him. So, um, you know, there was one 
article that that tried to explain away what had happened um in that he had uh kind of um been affected by uh, pornography and that asian pornography had fetishized his um view of women and that this was something that he 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 went on this killing spree and killed asian women because um he was trying to um you know for want of, of another phrase uh kind of remove the temptation um one news article tried to argue um you know and that's problematic in that you know it's kind of again putting the blame on the victim um that you know that the kind of pornography industry is then to blame for the fact that these asian women have been killed because that's almost um made this gentleman ill in some way not the fact that a white man just took a gun and shot eight women to death who happened to be asian i mean that's that's not part of the conversation at all obviously and that's something that has um come about in discussions this week of where the blame goes and particularly where language is is quite powerful and quite problematic at times which is something i'm going to talk about a little bit later um it's come to the forefront of the news this week um how crimes and and hate crimes and racist crimes against the asian community in america um is really really problematic and and something i don't think many people really thought about before or maybe realized was as big of an issue as it was and it is um and i um didn't know that it was is as big as or you know problematic as it is and i've done a lot of reading around it to educate myself about it um and much like the international women's day episode a few weeks ago where i asked you to take that time rather than listen to me babble on to go and educate yourself about you know um topics to do with women i will at the end of this episode put a couple of links in the write-up and mention some for you to go and read about and look at to educate yourself about the treatment of asians um, and the community in america to go and educate yourself about how we can support them and make that voice a little bit um louder and to go and support that community if possible in in some way there was an incident in canada um uh, uh, i don't know if you've heard about this with an uber driver who was uh, racially um targeted and racially abused by his passengers in his uh, car in his uber car and uh, the footage online and it made you know news all around the world uh, is really really horrible to watch and um, he is driving women around in his car and they are refusing to put face masks on and uber um it's one of their stipulations that you have the passengers have to wear a face mask as do the drivers fine i mean i think that's pretty much common sense um and they're refusing to put a face mask on all of the women in the car are and then they proceed to when he asks them to put the mask on and he actually offers to take them to a garage like a petrol garage to go and buy a face mask the um language they they give back to him and they spit at him and cough at him um and kind of joke about giving him covid and try to take his mask off and at one point um 
when they realise they're being filmed, because a lot of, you know, taxi cabs and Uber cabs have cameras in for the, the protection of the driver. They try to steal the camera and it's, it's just awful. So I'll read you a little bit of the article detailing this, but I'm just going to play you some of the actual footage that was recorded um, so you can hear the, the language that, that, that this man is, is presented with. So I think you can hear there that she coughs at him. One of them says that I've got Corona. She tries to take the camera and the phone off and, you know, he says you can't take my property and she's, you know, fuck you, what are you going to do and all this. I mean, just awful. And as you carry on watching the video, um, the, the racist abuse that this man gets is is awful. Um, and the, the other interesting thing is that all three women are women of colour as well. Um and it's just just a really, really quite distressing thing to watch, um, particularly considering that, you know, they're, they're finding it funny that they could possibly be giving him like a deadly disease. So one article that I read on BBC website, so it says three women berate men um, and cough on an Uber driver. A video of three women berating an Uber driver um, for asking one of them to wear a mask has gone viral. The video was posted on Monday by ABC7 journalist Dion Lim's Instagram page and shows one woman sitting beside the driver's seat saying, fuck the mask, and removing her face covering before coughing in the driver's direction. She is then seen snatching the driver's cell phone from the rearview mirror. The Two other women, one wearing a mask properly, the other one pushing it down over her chin, are heard jeering as the incident plays out. What are you going to do? The woman shouts as the driver grabs his phone back. You don't touch my property, the man says. The woman is seen grabbing his mask and snapping off one of his ear loops. I don't care, the maskless woman says. You take it out in the middle of nowhere. Are you stupid? I told you to get out of the gas station and you didn't, the driver shouts. And then um, the driver, who's from Nepal, um, he's then given multiple racial slurs. Um, and the article continues to say he asked one to put on a mask and he's, they, they, he says they started yelling racial slurs and taunting him. Um, and the article then continues to say that it's just yet another hate-motivated crime towards the Asian community that have been on the rise in Canada and the US. And a statement from Uber, they've said that the behaviour seen in the video is appalling and that the, the woman in question uh, no longer has access to Uber or the app. Um, and a GoFundMe campaign was launched to support the driver and it raised $30,000 um, in support of him. Um, and uh, a man that uh, created the GoFundMe campaign called Cyan Bannister just said, uh, so the driver in question didn't ask for the GoFundMe campaign, but has graciously accepted all of our support and love. As you can imagine, it was a horrible experience, but a tremendously loving and supporting one because we are now all coming together to help him. Um, and I think that that just came at a time and raised 
this issue of um, Asian racism and racism towards the Asian community. And it seems like a lot of things have just come at once and shown how this minority group in America or another minority group in America has just been um, attacked this week. Um, there was another incident that was reported on the news this week of uh, the editor of Teen Vogue called Alexi McCammond and she has quit um, being editor of the magazine because of racist tweets that have surfaced from 2011. So this is also on, on you know, BBC News and other websites if you want to go and have a read of it. So Alexi McCammond has, um, it says on the article, public, uh, parted ways with the magazine's publisher of Teen Vogue because of tweets that have surfaced. Um, and one of the tweets is her um, criticising a teaching assistant who she blames for um, not helping her do well enough in an exam um, and then also criticising an Asian student who did better than her in an exam. So the tweet says outdone by an Asian, hashtag what's new. And then another one says, um, I got two out of 10 on my chem problem, so chemistry problem. Um, thanks a lot, stupid Asian TA, you were great. So blaming, you know, again, Asians for beating her in exam and then not helping her enough in an exam. And it's, you know, again, just surfaced, just another example of anti- Asian rhetoric in America and beyond and then put all of that together with the you know violent atrocity that happens in America this week as well and it just shows that there's this underbelly of racism towards this group of people that um, I don't think is maybe being part of a conversation enough and a lot of people didn't realize that it was such a problematic um, part of society and that it's raised a conversation that lots of people need to be aware of. I don't think it helps when, for example, the previous leader of the free world, leader of America, Donald Trump, the orange man himself, um, sent out a tweet on March 16th last year where he called quite openly coronavirus the Chinese virus and then called it Kung Flu. Um, which has all sorts of, you know, just the most horrendous racial connotations of, of, of what he's trying to say there. Well, not trying to say, actually saying, and then almost giving permission for people to be equally as racist as he is, because, you know, he's, you know, he's he's in charge of, of, of the country and he's coming out with statements like that. Well, no wonder then people decide to do the same. Um, and I read a little bit around um, policies and historical racism towards the Asian community in America and beyond. And some of the information I found out was really quite shocking. So um, last year, there were 3,800 recorded, so that's only the ones that reported to the police, incidents of hate crime against Asians in America, so Asian Americans. And of those 3,800 crimes, 68% of them were reported by women. So, you know, what a surprise, it's women, um, you know, as an extra minority on top of their, their race being um, attacked and affected. And then I read around 
certain laws that have been in place over the years that just discriminate against the Asian community, you know, for hundreds of years now. So as far back as 1882, there was something called the Chinese Exclusion Act, which denied immigration to Chinese labourers and was the first immigration act that excluded purely on the basis of race um, and particularly focused on the Asian community not being allowed to, to kind of move between countries. In 1875, there was something called the Page Law, which denied the immigration of Chinese women, so specifically women, because, and, it, and quote, because of their moral questionability, um, because in the document, it accused women of wanting to um, emigrate between countries and become immigrants into different countries because they, they wanted to become sex workers. So it immediately... Um, fetishizes Chinese women, but also implies that all Chinese women, the only work that they can get is sex work. Um, and you can read about the Page Law of 1875 more if you want to. Very interesting. Then 1924, um, the Immigration Act of 1924, um, it again denied all Asians um, the ability to own land, to have citizenship, and to marry a non-Asian, which is just ludicrous to think that, um, you know, even marriage could be controlled for, for a minority. Then in 1965, there was something called the Hart Seller Act of 1965, so H-A-R-T Seller, um, which... Sorry, my laptop froze for a minute then. Um, I've just had to load that little article back up. Um, so the Hart Seller Act of 65 um, implemented immigration based on a merit system. Now, some people thought that that was a good idea because you had to have certain skills or educational background, etc. To, to be able to get into a country. But that then became... Um, coined its own phrase of the good immigrant so that you know it kind of it became an elitist thing then uh, which has its own problems of course and then um, as late as 2020 obviously we see you know the tweet from President Trump calling coronavirus the Chinese disease the Chinese virus with this rise in anti-Asian rhetoric um, just becoming part of everyday language. Um, one Instagram account that I've mentioned before that really raises the profile of this called Devotify Our Narrative, I would really suggest you look at that Instagram account and I'll put the link into this episode when it is published. Um, but one of the things that has been discussed this week that I think is important is how people react to these issues and how people put put blame or put language where it should be. So for example, one of the hashtags um, on social media at the moment, um, hashtag stop Asian hate or um, hashtag stop Asian, um, you know, violence or hashtag prevent violence towards Asians. 
some people have raised that as much as they are, those hashtags are trying to do good and raise the debate and raise the conversation, that is quite a passive statement. Um, and it's implying that the the crime is being done towards the Asian community, but it doesn't mention the perpetrator. So should the hashtag really be, or should the focus really be, um, to stop white supremacy, stop white racism, stop male violence? So rather than kind of put the onus on the Asian community to um, look at how to protect themselves, it should really be about the perpetrator being named. Um, and that's something that's also come about with some of the 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 violence against women this week um, that's been in the news and the, the treatment of women that's been highlighted and how important vocabulary and language is. Um, if we think about the Meghan, Markle and Harry, um, Prince Harry interview, again, I mean, I think I mentioned this last week, the vitriol that was put up against her, particularly from Piers Morgan, um, you know, her being questioned whether she was lying about, you know, mental health issues, whether she was lying about uh, racist overtones in the royal family or how she'd been, how she'd been spoken to. Um, you know, the fact that the interview very much focused on her and he and Harry was almost there as, um, you know, a sideline and that it was, it was her that was, that was having the problem, not him. And she was raising the, the concerns and not him. And she was the one with the problem and not him. And how certain parts of the interview were cut as well. Um, so the, the interview that went out on ITV, for example, didn't show footage of her talking about her dad and didn't show footage of talking about her estranged sister, who interestingly, they've not met, I think, for 17 years. And it was only when Meghan Markle got with her sister, uh, got with Prince Harry, sorry, her sister changed her surname back to Markle because then she'd become more profitable with having the, the Markle name um, and you know why weren't those parts of the interview included in the ITV broadcast is it again to try and gaslight you know a woman it wouldn't surprise me if it did um, there was a, um, a an image on Instagram put out that I thought was quite telling that was put on by um, Jamila Jamil um, her Iway community and a number of other um, Instagram accounts that look at kind of raising the, the debate and discussion around women. And it's titled Seven Days in the Life of Women Everywhere. And it goes from Happy Woman's Day to then the next day, Meghan Markle and women being accused of lying for attention. The next day, an image of um, Sever Everard, um, a woman killed by a man. The next day, picture of Laverne Cox where trans women in the news that day were um, accused of not even being real, real women, not being real men. So where are they? What are they? The next day, um, an article was published online arguing that um, women often make up crimes against them. 
the next day a hashtag not all men came out so you know not all men do this so stop putting us all together like not all men are rapists like women shut up the next day um it was the anniversary of the shooting in in louisville that happened a year ago and how there was still no justice for brianna taylor um a, a woman of color that was shot when she was asleep in her bed the next day it was the vigil that happened for sarah everard and uh, the police officers kneeling on women pushing them down to the ground and then the next day it was happy mother's day and i think that the, the 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 post seven lives in the women everywhere and how it shows seven days sorry in the life of women everywhere it those pictures day after day after day one day they're great one day they're not one day they're attacked one day they're supported um really highlights the the up and down nature of being a woman it, it, well not just at the moment but in history in general and how misogyny and patriarchy has just been there consistently and that it's something women have to put up with every single day and really as a man we just don't get that particularly as a white heterosexual man they just don't get that um, and how the blame is often put on women, not on men. Think about the phrases, boys will be boys, as a kind of excuse for what men do to women all the time. And again, you know, think about the hashtags of, of you know, um, stop violence to women or, um, you know, uh, support support women in, in crisis, that type of thing. There's no, there's no crime there there's there's no blame put on the man it's all it's all put back onto the woman and that's something that's incredibly problematic you know talking about sarah sarah everard um so many questions were put out in the news and online and debated putting the blame on her why was she out so late um why had she been to her friend's house why had she been to a friend's house that was 50 minutes away? Why had she walked through a park? Why was she out at 11 o'clock at night? You know, why wasn't she on her phone to make it look like that she was, you know, okay? Why wasn't blah, blah, blah? It's, again, just putting the blame on the woman and not just actually saying she was walking home, as a woman can do at any time of the day that she wants, two o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the morning, whatever, and it was a man who who attacked her. It's got nothing to do with her. It's got it's not no blame on her at all. It's about what the man chose to do. That's the crime, and that's something that I think it's almost like a ingrained discussion or an ingrained response that you look at what the victim did wrong and not what the the actual criminal did. Um, there is. Um, a TED talk by Dr. Jackson Katz and what he says and I'm going to read his statement to you now is um, I think perfectly summarise this entire issue um, and you can go and watch the TED talk by him if you want to I thoroughly suggest that you do and it really makes you shift your understanding of language and your shift understanding of this debate around um, the treatment of women and the treatment of men when something like this happens when a high profile case like Sarah Everard um, or the attack on on the Asian community in America like the shootings last week um, makes you realise how um, ingrained our responses are and how 
we really need to shift our thinking about things that, that we see happen. So he says, we talk about how many women were raped last year, not about how many men raped women. We talk about how many girls in a school district were harassed last year, not about how many boys harass girls. We talk about how many teenage girls in the state of Vermont got pregnant last year, rather than how many men and boys impregnated teenage girls. So you can see how the use of the passive voice has a political effect. It shifts the focus off of men and boys and onto girls and women. Even the term violence against women is problematic. It's a passive construction. There's no active agent in that sentence. It's a bad thing that happens to women. But when you look at that term, violence against women, nobody's doing it to them. It just happens to them. Men, even part, men aren't even part of it. And I think that that statement is absolutely perfect. Violence against women, violence against Asian community. It again implies that they are the active part of that. They're not. They are the ones being attacked. It's the active part. So the man attacking the woman, the racist person attacking the Asian community, they're the ones that need to be named. Um, I've read something um, in, when I was reading all about this this week, that if you speak to somebody, you know, everyone knows somebody that has been um, assaulted in some way. We all know somebody that has been assaulted racially, sexually, um, received homophobic abuse of some kind. But we don't know a rapist. We don't know someone who has racially abused someone. We don't know someone that is homophob homophobically, I can't say the word, um, homophobically abused someone. Why? Because all we ever discuss is um, the victim in terms of their shame and what's been done to them. We never discuss the perpetrator of the issue. 97% of women in England, research released this week, have experienced harassment of some kind. So if 97% of women have been harassed, we all know of a woman who's been harassed, but do we know someone who has been the harasser? Well, we must do, but we probably can't name one because we just don't talk about that. Why? Because we put the blame on the person who was the victim, not the blame on the person who did it. That's never part of the discussion. And that's something that needs to change instantly. We need to talk more about the person who's done these acts rather than the person who's had it done to them. Yes, we need to support them. Of course we do. But we also need to put the onus on the person who did it in the first place. And that's something that I think needs to, um, in society, change. We need to discuss the, the perpetrators of the act more to take the blame and the onus of the person who's had it done to them. Um, having to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be reminded of it every five seconds. The person who's done it should be the one who has to explain and be named and found out. And if you listen to the latest Jamila, Jamil um, 
podcast Iowa. That's something she goes into a lot of detail with. Um, and I would thoroughly recommend that you that you look at that and watch that. So as with the International Women's Day podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, I would suggest that you take a little bit of time um, this weekend, this week, this evening to go and try and educate yourself around the problems facing particularly the Asian community in America and beyond um, at the moment. Go online, look at the articles on BBC websites and other news channels that I mentioned. So Alexi McCammond and um, her uh, resignation from Vogue magazine and why. Go and read about the Uber story and um, the, the treatment of the, the Uber driver and the racial slurs that he experienced. Go and read and educate yourselves about these situations that are real and that are happening. Instagram accounts that I would suggest that you go and look at. Diversify your narrative, the female activists, um, why don't we discuss those are three accounts that I would definitely suggest you go and follow and look at that constantly raise these issues, but also educate us with facts about um, treatment of women, treatment of minorities. They're incredibly, incredibly informative, and I've learned a lot from following them. And also read around it with literature. Um, the Good Immigrant is a fantastic book and collection of essays. Um that are written by a number of, of high profile people, one of which is written by the actor that I'm sure you will have heard of called Riz Ahmed. And he talks about, um, you know, his treatment in airports and um, for the fact that, you know, he he um, looks a certain way and going into auditions and how he's treated differently because he's, um, you know, a man of colour and a minority in certain roles and things that he that he struggled to get because of his appearance and his cultural background. So read around these issues and try and educate yourself if you can. I have and I do and I still continue to. Um, and hopefully, you know, listening to something like this will, will spark the interest in yourself as well. So to end on something a little bit more um, positive and hopeful, um, I always try to end on something I've done for the first time that week, um, with this being that one time I dated a Mormon, one thing I've done that week. Um, so for me this week, I haven't been able to go running for quite a while. Um, I fucked up my leg around Christmas time. I've had shin splints for a while, so I've been cycling a lot instead. Um, and I went for a first run this week. It fucking killed my leg was okay, but, you know, getting back into running after being a, away from running for quite a while, not the easiest thing to do. Um, and so I was absolutely knackered that night when I got back in from, from the run, but um, I'd done it and that was nice to do that this week. So the one new thing I'd done that week was to go running again for the first time. So um, have a look on the 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 write-up from the episode when it's published, look at those um, Instagram accounts, go and read up and educate yourself about this pressing issue and try, if you can, to engage other people in the conversation as well. <laughs>